I think advice is a lot like a haircut, don't you? A good story takes us on a journey. It reminds us of where we've been and shows us where we could go. A good story makes us feel and inspires us to act. Welcome to the Good Story Podcast, where everyday stories that make you laugh, cry, or feel slightly uncomfortable will leave you inspired as Kirsten King tells true stories and teaches truth. I remember the first time I went to a barbershop with my husband and learned about the unwritten barbershop etiquette. You know, like, who goes next and how do they figure that out? I learned that the guys would sit and wait in a row of chairs that was lined up against the wall and would keep track mentally of who got there first. Then, as soon as a barber's chair would open, the next guy in line would just stand up and fill in the space. If, however... The barber chair that was open wasn't their guy, and they wanted to wait until a different barber's chair opened. They'd do just a little subtle nod thing, and the space would be filled instead with the next guy in line. It felt a little cumbersome to me and a little awkward, but whatever. I figured I called, made appointments with specific people, so maybe it wasn't too different from that. Often, I'd take our kids to the barber during the day. They loved going. I have three boys and one girl. Only once did I make my daughter get her hair cut there. I figured, ah, it's just a trim. It doesn't matter. We're here already, I said. Ooh, honey, don't complain. A haircut's a haircut. They have really sharp scissors here. It'll be great. It was a time-saving thing for me. It was summer, and we were in a hurry to get to my parents' house to spend some time at the lake. Besides, I added, you can get a sucker when you're done. Our barbershop handed out dum-dums to the smallest children getting their hair cut. Granted, she actually wasn't she was, wasn't young. She was probably in like sixth grade, but she still likes suckers. A little side note here. Did you ever wonder why the people in charge of suckers decided to name their child sucker a dum-dum? I did. I looked it up, which I was actually glad I did because for years I said it was because if someone was stupid, sometimes they'd call him a sucker or other times a dum-dum, but that's not why. Oops. Actually, Dum Dums originated from the Akron Candy Company in Bellevue, Ohio in 1924. And the early sales guy at the company named them Dum Dums, thinking, well, Dum Dums is a phrase any child could say. Obviously, but do we want them to? It's like naming a sucker mine or no or stupid, whatever. I don't want to get too far off track here. I just found out while doing my Dum Dum research, which kind of sounds like an oxymoron, I found out that the original flavors were seven, lemon, lime, orange, coconut, pineapple, cherry, grape, and butterscotch. Of all these, I think I remembered liking one. Now they have more flavors, 16 of them. I don't know what those all are. And I do remember seeing one called Mystery. Do you remember seeing that? And I am telling you right now, I'm going to unravel that right now for you and let you know that it is exactly what we all thought it was. According to Wiki, the mystery flavor dum-dum is the result of the end of one batch mixing with the next batch. Rather than stopping production to clean machines in between flavors, they just call it mystery. Back to the barbershop, no. Denny's Barbershop, to be specific. Like I said, when I'd go, I'd usually go with all four of my kids. The three boys would sit and wait for the two barber chairs to open up. Then I'd just send one of them on over. Usually that worked well, except for once when 
our youngest, was about four. It was his turn to get into the chair. He looked up at me. He looked over at the barber. He looked up at me. He looked back over at the barber's empty chair, and he said, no, thanks, and he pointed to the other barber in the shop. I'm waiting for Bob. This (laughs) made the rest of us kind of nervously laugh, and one of the other boys filled the open spot. Later on, I asked him, I'm like, why did you say that? He's like, I like Bob's haircuts better. The boys also knew that if they were in Denny's chair, he'd ask them all kinds of questions. Hey, you being good? Helping your mom? How many girlfriends do you have now? How's school? Once I remember him saying to our son, Danny, you should tell your mom, who was me, who was sitting in the chair, like 10 feet away, flipping through a back issue of Field and Stream or something and listening to every word. He's like, you should tell your mom you need to get your hair cut more often, right? Like probably every week. Your dad's a youth pastor, isn't he? He said, he can afford it. He said, you're rich, aren't you? He said, to which Danny said, yeah, we are. We eat meals every day and sleep in a real bed. We're, we're rich. I laughed out loud. The barber responded, ah, ah, how many girlfriends you got? The kids would finish their haircuts. They'd get their dum-dums if they wanted them, and then we'd be off. So yeah, I knew my way around a barbershop. No big deal. Well, I knew my way around that one anyway. One day, I woke up in the morning and was having one of those days. You know the kind. You've had them before. You're getting ready and you think, I need my haircut now. I don't need it yesterday, but today I do. I need it soon. And by soon, I mean I am counting soon in minutes, not in days, not even in hours. I called my normal haircut person. She was booked. Ah! I needed to leave the house. I needed to go to a couple of meetings today. I thought, oh, I'll just walk into some salon somewhere and get it done in between times. I remembered seeing a salon that I drove by nearly every day to work. I thought I should check in there. I wanted to be careful though, because I had a bad experience doing the whole drop-in thing once. Didn't want to repeat that. When we were first married, I had the same sort of day, ended up at a very cheap haircut place where nobody used their real names. Apparently they were in the hairstylist witness protection program. So I asked Bubbles to just give me a trim. I told her, I don't really want anything taken off the length, but I need my layers cut. She spun me around like a top and began her chop, 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 chop. I remember looking at the floor at one point thinking, there is way too much hair here for what I wanted done. When she was finished, she spun me back around to the mirror. I had a mullet. I kid you not. She did keep the length. Everything behind my ears was as long as it was when I arrived. Everything in front of my ears was super short. I didn't know what to do. I just stared at myself. Gave her the six bucks, obviously pretty high, pretty high price right there. Drove back home, handed Kenny a scissors from our desk and said, just cut off the back. Live and learn, right? Well, live anyway. So back to this day, back to this day where I had woke, awakened and thought I need my haircut. This day, I decided to walk into this hair salon I had driven by multiple times as I drove to church. I decided to walk in in between meetings and see if I had enough time to get my haircut here. So I walked in and found the place empty, except for the lone hairstylist. Ah, what luck, I thought, no line. I introduced myself, and for the life of me, I cannot remember his name now, but I do remember it was normal. Something made me feel comfortable. A name given to him by his mother, not chosen by some kitschy salon owner or something. He asked if he could help me. Can I help you? I told him, well, I'm here for a haircut. He said, all right. 
Penny paused for quite a bit. He looked at me kind of quizzically, staring at my hair for quite a while, then finally asked, what you thinking? Ooh, I felt like telling him, oh, just give me the cut that you're giving all the celebrities these days. <laughs> he seemed like that sort of stylist, you know? What with asking me, what you thinking and all, like the world was his oyster and my hair was just a sea of possibilities. I thought, should I give Poseidon the power to him and just say, have at it? I was ready for a change after all, or should I just stick with the basics? I decided I'm going to stay kind of close to shore. I don't want to make waves and I'm settled on. How about you just clean it up a little bit? I'd like to keep the length, but just fix the layers if you could. He said, mm-hmm. let's see what I can do. And he left for a bit. I just stood there waiting. Is he coming back? I wasn't sure where he went. I couldn't decide, should I sit back in the lobby chairs or should I go toward one of those other chairs? Eventually, he returned and he motioned for me to take a seat in one of the um, stylus chairs. I actually think during that time he had gone on a smoke break and also went to some back room and found a book, a very large book. It was probably a foot and a half wide and about two feet tall. It was full of women's hairstyles, like circa 1970s. It was faded. It might have even been earlier. I don't know. So I'm sitting in the chair. He wheels a stool over near the chair I was now sitting in, and he laid the book on top of it. It was open to a page that had someone with hair about my length in it. And on the opposite page, there were little black and white pictures with dotted lines and pictures of tiny little scissors. It was here when I started to second guess my decision. I no longer thought of this man as Poseidon. My heart sank as he said, well, might as well get started. Let's see if I remember how to do this. I remember thinking, why isn't he washing my hair first? I always get my hair washed first. I thought I saw a hair washing station to my left as I walked in, I thought, but we didn't seem to be headed there. Instead, he picked up a spray bottle and he was just going to town on my head, just spraying my hair like crazy. My mascara actually started running down my face. He took a comb out of a jar that was filled with some blue water and other lots of other combs. It looked like a pickle jar, but for combs. So he takes out this comb out of what I was hoping was some sort of cleaning solution. And then he immediately put it in his mouth. So who cares if it was a cleaning solution? Well, he continued to spray my hair in my face. Eventually, my hair was as wet as the picture that was showed on the opposite page where he was going to be copying my haircut. So he took the comb out of his mouth and started making strategic parts on my head. It was a little hard for him to look down to his right and then back up to my head without losing his place. I almost offered to hold the book for him, but I didn't feel like I had the arm strength to do it for the full haircut. It was awkwardly silent, and I thought about starting a conversation, but I also didn't want to interrupt him and wreck his focus, and I also couldn't think of anything to say except for, have you ever cut a woman's hair before, or where the heck am I? Instead, he started the conversation with, he still had the comb in his mouth. I was like, huh? He's like, he repeats it. So I work in the area. And he takes the comb out of his mouth. So you work in the area? I told him, oh yeah, I work with youth at my church. And then I told him which one I went to. Oh, he said, comb out of his mouth now. My neighbors go there. Yeah, I've cut their hair for years. I thought, okay, whew, this is kind of encouraging. Then he went on. Yeah, I started cutting their boys' hair. Oh man, yeah, let's see, way back when they were in elementary school. 
not encouraging. By now, I was starting to get a feeling for where I was at. It was awkwardly silent for a while again, until it was awkwardly not. He started coughing, but he had a chunk of my hair in one hand, he had a scissors in the other hand, and the comb had been put back into his mouth. He struggled to hold back his cough, and he struggled to keep the comb in his mouth, but then he just gave into it all. He dropped my hair, the comb went on the floor, he set the scissors down for a bit, and he just, <coughs> just coughed and coughed and coughed, and then he left. I sat there, I thought about leaving, and just when I was thinking about it, how I could do it, he came back. Well, sorry about that, he said. Where'd we leave off? He asked as he bent over and he picked the comb up from the ground, put it back in his mouth, and there he went back at it. Snip, 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 snip. By now, I was actually starting to worry about the time because I'd squeeze his haircut in between meetings, and I'm thinking, I don't know if I'm going to get done. We talked more about the weather and about road construction and about his neighbors that I also knew. I'm like, yeah, nice family, I said. Yeah, he said. Yeah, they have a lot of boys, don't they? And just, is it one daughter or two? And he's like, yeah. I said, huh, you've known them for a while, I said. Yeah, he said. And then finally he said, whoop, I think I've done what I can do here. Do you need it dry? I hesitated for a second and then said, yeah, sort of. And I meant, yeah, I do, but I sort of don't want you to do it. He left again and came back with his huge Vidal Sassoon blow dryer. He turned it on and blew it right at the back of my head. He didn't move his arm. He just stood there burning the back of my head. My hair was blowing forward and covering my face. And then I heard him say over the dryer, turn to the left, <laughs> and I obeyed. He then pointed the dryer at my left ear, moving it a little bit now, but not enough for me to feel, to prevent me from feeling like my ear was getting on fire. Then, yep, pretty soon again, turn to the right. And he continued. My hair was pretty dry and he took the comb, ran it through my hair. As, as he was pulling the comb through it, he was pulling the comb down through my hair. My hair was like flying upwards, filled with static electricity. I didn't look unlike a troll. I tried to run my hands through it to calm it down. It just didn't, just kept flying. I looked at my watch and I now knew I had less time than I needed to get to my next meeting. So I grabbed my purse, paid the piper and tipped him too. I walked out thinking, well, you know, maybe it's one of those things that I notice it and nobody else does. You know what that's like, right? You've heard someone say, oh man, my hair looks so weird today. And, and you're thinking it looks exactly like it always does. I was hoping that was my deal. However, I hadn't even made it to my car in the parking lot when I ran into a couple from our church. The woman gasped. I kid you not. She said, oh, Kirsten, your hair, what did you do? The husband was laughing. He said, oh, looks like you stuck your finger in a light socket. The woman then hit him, apparently deciding the light socket comment was far more offensive than her gasping, what did you do to your hair question? I said, I just got a cut and I haven't had time to go home and fix it yet. Huh, she said. So you go to a barber. Interesting. Apparently so. And I walked away. It was too long to explain it. As I drove off, I looked more closely at the sign. Salon and barbershop, I read. Found out later that Tuesdays and Thursdays it was the one, 
And Mondays, Wednesdays, and every other Friday, it was the other. Live and learn. <laughs> so I did. Here's what I learned. I learned that advice is like a haircut. It really makes a difference who's giving it to you. We all need advice, do we not? Absolutely we do. It's difficult to make sense of life many times. Things may seem unfair or backwards or stupid or pointless or fabulous or less than satisfying or confusing. It's at times like this, in all the times, we need advice. We need counsel. In what way? What do we need advice about? First, we need perspective on life. Second, we need wisdom in life. And third, we need hope for life. Perspective on life, wisdom in life, and hope for life. First, we need perspective on life. We can get the proper perspective only from the one who created life, the one who created us and knows us well. We can be confident knowing that not only does the one giving us advice understand what we're saying, he knows what he's doing and he's acting in love. God can give us perspective in life through his word. He promises to do so. In Psalm 19, 7 through 11, it says that God's commands gives light to our eyes. It says that his ordinances are not only altogether righteous, they're also precious, more precious than gold. The much pure gold, it says also that God's word and his promises are sweeter than honey, even honey straight from the comb. God's word is good. It helps us to see the end from the beginning. God's word reminds us that we're sojourners in this world that is fraught with evil and sin. He says we will feel like aliens as we walk around the earth. God's word tells us that he offers us forgiveness of our sin through Jesus And he also tells us that while we continue to live in this world, we're going to have trouble. He says that there might be people that disagree with us, but that we should be gracious and loving toward all. We should look to love and forgive rather than to demand our own way. Secondly, we need wisdom in life. God gives us wisdom. We've talked about this before. God gives us wisdom generously. He gives it to us generously and without reproach. We all need to make decisions. We all have times when we're not sure what we're supposed to do. We can trust God's word. We can trust his presence. We can trust and rely on him to lead and direct us. He will counsel us. Proverbs 19.20 says, Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Some of that advice is what we read in the word. Some of this advice we get from other wise counselors. We need to know that we can rely on what God tells us. We need to know and be assured that God tells us the beginning of wisdom is a fear of him. Where does wisdom start? It starts with a fear of him. What is this fear? It's an awe and respect mingled with affection. We get wisdom from this wise God. We can receive wisdom from wise counselors. We can accept their instruction. We need to be sure it's from God. We hold up what they say to the truth of God's word. And third, we need hope for life. When Peter was writing his letters, He encouraged his readers with the following. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. 
What advice do we receive from the word here? We are told not to place our hope on what is perishable. We are told that there is a proper place for us to hope. We are told that we should recognize it is an act of great mercy from God that allowed us to receive a living hope from God himself because of what Jesus has done for us. God tells us that he has allowed us to place all our hope in him, trusting that through his power, we will be protected by faith and that someday we will receive an inheritance, an imperishable, undefiled, unfading inheritance that is being kept in heaven for all who believe in him. This is good advice. It gives us perspective when we seem confused. It gives us wisdom as we walk through the everyday and it gives us a hope. This solid advice, advice for life, We need to choose to place our faith and trust in God today. We need to get our advice from God himself through his word because it really does make a difference who's giving it to you. 